What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Milwaukee Sports Performance Podcast, where we talk about all things related to athletic performance, rehabilitation, and wellness. My name is Michael Falk, and I am joined today by my wife, Lauren, and we are going to be talking about taping and bracing of the ankle, knee, and shoulder following injuries. So this is meant to be a very tactical podcast. It is answering some specific questions that we've been getting in our clinic recently, and we go through how you can use different types of braces, the options that are available to you, and whether they work or not, what the research says about that. So I hope that you guys find this information helpful and it can be a resource for you as you recover from your injuries. What's up, everyone? It is Michael and Lauren Falk here today for our first kind of practical podcast of 2023. So again, if you're new to the podcast or if you're new to season three of the podcast, which we just started here in January, that's really our goal is going to be to do two interviews every month and then one of these sort of practical podcasts that we try to answer questions that we're getting from patients in our clinic each and every week. So this week, we're going to be addressing taping and bracing after an injury or surgery. We've been having a lot of patients ask us questions about, should I wear this brace or should I go buy this sleeve or um, things like that. So that's what we're going to try to dive into and, and give you guys some supports and answer those questions a little bit. Absolutely. Yeah, I think um, this is a question we get from players as much as coaches, honestly, as well as should my players be wearing braces all the time or things like that. So um, hopefully this will be informative for you to have a better understanding of what you need to address your needs or are there other options available to you outside of these standard approaches. So, All right, well, let's dive in. So I think we're going to just maybe go joint by joint through some of the options for different parts of the body. Um, so let's start with, I don't know, probably the first one that comes to mind for a lot of people, roll an ankle. Um, if you've been following our social media recently, which if you haven't, check us out on Instagram and Facebook at kinetic underscore SMP. Uh, we just did a whole series on ankle sprains uh, in December, January that uh, was kind of covered this, but it's most common injury that athletes will have. Almost 70% of athletic injuries are simple ankle sprains and they tend to recur or if you sprain it once, you're more likely to have it happen again. So um, with an ankle sprain or an ankle injury, what's should an athlete be taping or bracing following that injury? Right. So the way that we kind of view this is obviously in the acute phase. So like you just recently heard it, you know, maybe you've been doing some things to work on your strength and your range of motion and managing your swelling. And you've now been in a position where you've been told, you know, it's safe to start returning to play. There are times in which we brace for protection as we are still in a transition coming out of an injury because in the face of an injury, we often experience weakness. Weakness comes from literally a direct injury to that muscular tissue. So like you roll your ankle under you, you kind of strain that that tendon that's on the outside of your leg. You know, you kind of irritate those things and pain also causes weakness. So there, you're at a little bit of a point of a deficit immediately coming out of it that there are times that we will prophylactically, meaning preventatively, um, or sorry, we don't prophylactically, we do it for um, protection purposes of taping or bracing in the world of athletic training. Yeah. No, I mean, I think it's pretty common, pretty low-hanging fruit. Like if you're trying to play as quickly as possible, 
you know, in a basketball game, you'll see this happen a lot where players will roll an ankle, keep playing that game, they'll just lace up their shoes tighter, yeah. um, which is good. It helps you get through a game or bracing or taping immediately following might help you um, just have a little bit of extra support, stability, maybe be able to play a little bit sooner. Um, I think what we would just want to emphasize is that it, it's, it is a crutch. It's there for some extra stability. Um, the goal is to still do rehab and address that strength and the rate of force development and the stability of that ankle so that long-term you might not need to do it. Now, tape or brace or both is kind of the question afterwards. Um, several factors that go into that. The, you know, to tape it, you need to have access to an athletic trainer. So if you're in high school um, at a home game, you know, the athletic trainers are going to be present and available to tape your ankle. Um, if you're traveling a lot or somewhere that you don't have access to an athletic trainer, then uh, ankle brace might be a better option for you just from an ease standpoint. Um, in terms of the research on them, you know, it, it, it's mixed. What we look at with taping is, um, unfortunately, you know, within about 15 to 20 minutes after that tape job is applied, you know, statistically in research studies, the tape starts to lose its structural integrity. Um, where it's not really as supportive. However, it's still going to give you what we call proprioceptive or um, kind of neural inputs of extra stability around that ankle. And if you tape it thick enough, um, there's going to just be like a mechanical bulk of tape around your ankle that is going to help support you in limit range of motion. So uh, it's really a lot of times down to what the player has available and what's most comfortable for them and, and what kind of gets the job done for them. Um, to decide what they do going forward. Right. So those are done on the earlier side of coming out of an injury or things like that. But ultimately, the goal is to not stay in that forever. Like Michael said, you should be working with an athletic trainer or physical therapist to be working on your strength and stability because the longer we stay in that tape or brace, your body starts to rely on it because it feels that tightness. It feels the brace kind of doing the work for it that it doesn't have to work as hard to figure out its balance again or, you know, how to engage to manage that cut so you can get in and out again. You know, that brace really helps do some of that work for you, whereas it's more important that your body get its strength back and learn how to independently do those things so we're not reliant on it. So there are kind of some longer-term side effects to staying in a brace for a really extended period of time outside of what has been medically suggested for you. Yeah. Yeah. And um, we also like to see athletes that are doing it, like wear the brace and maybe, or tape and practice in games, but then get out of it when you're in the weight room, like use time that you're in the weight room. Progress your way out of it. Yeah, exactly. To work on your foot stability, your ankle control, your balance, your strength, all of those things. So yeah, it's not an all or nothing thing where yeah. one day you just take it off and you're ready to roll. It's that we, you know, you're doing stuff in PT or in the athletic training room without it. You're doing stuff in the weight room without it, or maybe you're starting to do like part of your practice without it or something like that as you build your intensities that your ankle gets exposed to. Um, but that, yeah, definitely not just an all or nothing principle, but the goal is that eventually you're strong enough that you don't need that taper brace down the road. Yeah, absolutely. And kind of along those lines too, cause we get coaches asking us questions about like, well, if you know, I'm a basketball coach and ankle sprains are a common injury, should I just, throw my athletes into ankle braces right away. You know, if we know that this is a common injury, should I just do that to prevent them? 
Yeah. So prophylactic bracing, and we can talk about this at almost every joint. Um, to my knowledge, there's really not any evidence that shows a reduce reduction in ankle sprains or knee sprains or anything like that um, by wearing the braces. Uh, probably the most common sport that we see it in is volleyball. Um, I'm not I'm not familiar enough with the research to say has there been anything that's definitively shown that that's helpful. Um, you know, overall. I don't think it's going to be hugely effective and I'm not going to say it has like long-term side effects. If someone wants to play with taped ankles, um, every day, like I don't know that that's really going to hinder them in the long run. Um, I also can't say that it's going to really help them prevent spraining their ankle. Um, so it's really a player's decision. I think where you get into questions is like, okay, if you've got an athlete that has an extensive history of significant ankle sprains, right? Maybe they're even bordering on having like a little bit of ankle instability. Um, I think that's where maybe having a little bit of external support might make sense to try to, uh, try to just, you know, support that ankle a little bit better. But we also just want to emphasize that like if they've never gone through a rehab program or if they're not doing the other things surrounding that, we would really encourage them to work on the dynamic stability and control of their ankle and not just rely only on the, the brace itself. So uh, taking that not either or, but both approach um, in situations like that. Yeah. So instead of throwing a brace on every kid on your team, maybe if there's a kid that has a history, that's something you could consider or have a conversation over. But in general, there's an article, it was probably over 10 years ago now, but in the Journal of Athletic Training where they compared um, some high school basketball teams. One did um, all ankle braces on every person and then one that did not. And they actually saw kind of like a weaker state um, within the people that chronically wore a brace all season long. Because again, you breed that dependency. You start to rely on the, the brace to do it versus your natural dynamic strength. So again, that was just one little snippet and that's not necessarily... A mass assumption for everyone but in general like if you weren't if it ain't broke don't fix it like if your ankles were doing fine before we don't necessarily need to throw a brace on it just to throw a brace on it yeah no for sure and it, it's some people talk about doing it with high risk quote-unquote athletes and truthfully that's we could do a whole podcast and maybe we will at some point on like can we predict injury risk and the answer is no um, we really can't the the best predictor of future risk is past risk so if you were going to say who are most or past injury, excuse me, who are our highest risk athletes to undergo a knee injury, ankle injury, et cetera. Which of your athletes have previously hurt their knee, ankle, hip, back, whatever. Those are going to be your athletes that are the highest risk for a future injury. Um, but it gets really, really slippery to say like, Oh, this athlete is more mobile and has longer legs and plays this position. So she's more likely to get hurt. Um, that, that just gets really, really tricky to do. So, and ultimately a brace isn't the answer to someone who has an injury risk or injury history per se. It's just a part of an equation, if you will. Yeah. All right. So let's move up the leg a little bit and talk knees. Um, you know, when we surround knees, there's, there's a few major brace types that we can talk about and think of. Um, There's the classic patellar tendon strap um, or the rolled up pre-wrap that goes over your patellar tendon. Uh, Not really a brace for support, but something that's commonly worn. Um, There's like the knee sleeve that you could just go buy at Walmart. There's the kind of big bulky uh, 
support stability braces that are really like a hinge brace that are um, often custom made and kind of designed for injuries to specific ligaments. Um, And we could lump into that, you know, there's some braces designed for patellar support, things of that nature. And then the last category is post-operative braces. So let's kind of break them up and just touch on each one a little bit. Let's start with my personal favorite, the <laughs> patellar tendon strap that, and, or the rolled up pre-wrap that uh, is in almost every high school gym that we go in and watch a game, that at least somebody is wearing that on one or both knees. So what do you think about the patellar tendon strap? Well, I, you know, it's funny because after having been an athletic trainer for too many years, if I say how many years, then I'll tell everyone how old I am. But, um, you know, we used to think that that like altered the mechanics of the knee was kind of like what the common thought process was of that. When ultimately we now understand tendinopathy so much more. And I believe we've done podcasts and blogs on this. So feel free to check them out on our website. Um, but tendinopathy is not about altering a mechanic or putting pressure in a certain point. Tendinopathy is a, is about strengthening the tissue to be able to tolerate what we're asking of it. So that tendon pain is rooted in the fact that there's some weakness and breakdown that needs to be strengthened and the body needs to be prepared for the demands of the sport. So like jumping and pounding a bunch in basketball or volleyball or things like that. There's no strap that's going to do that for you outside of doing the work to actually address what's happening in the knee and why you're having that pain. So it's a little bit of a temporary thing. Sometimes it might be, it might mentally help you per se, but it's not getting at the root of the problem and it's definitely not solving your problem. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's, that's it. It's the same, we could, it's the same uh, general ideas, the elbow straps for golfers or tennis elbows that people will see a lot. Essentially, mechanically, all that it's doing is just sort of shifting where some of the stress falls in the tendon slightly. So if it feels, if it makes your knee feel better to help you get through practicing games, go for it. Do it. But don't just use that and think that it's going to get better in the long run because it's probably just going to get worse. Again, it's just shifting stress. So eventually, um, wherever it helps you shift the stress to is going to start to break down and, and feel worse. So um, if you're wearing one of those and it feels good, like keep going with it let it help you um, but then just also do the rehab that you need to do to actually address the underlying root cause so um, okay let's move into maybe the simplest one just like the common knee sleeve that you could just buy at a Walgreens um, no real support just typically it will be some type of thin material that sort of surrounds your knee joint um, compresses, the compresses area. the area what What's the take on that if someone's using one of those and and to be more comfortable as they play? Well, you know, I think the question is, like, why are they wearing it? You know, and obviously I would say most kids that I see wearing the general knee sleeve is that they have that, like, general knee achiness, discomfort, oftentimes what we call, like, patellofemoral syndrome or things like that, where they have no real orthopedic injury. Like, there's no swelling in the knee or things like that, but they have this general discomfort with some of the activities that they're doing and things like that. And again, the compression of the sleeve might make you feel a little bit better because that pressure feels good. Um, And it also, like Michael was saying with the ankle stuff, it brings proprioceptive ability to that area. So it makes your body more aware of that area at that time. Um, But ultimately, it's not solving the problem. Like 
like he said with the patella tennis strap, if it helps you feel a bit better while doing it, okay, great. But we have to better understand why you're having that knee pain and making sure that we're doing something about it. Because ultimately, again, we don't want to, you'd become reliant on that brace. We want to solve the problem and get you away from that brace so that way you're not having to have that as another part of what you're wearing while you're playing. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, it's not going to offer any support. It might help you stay a little bit warmer and it does give you that pressure, which a lot of people like, and it makes you feel a lot better um, surrounding that joint. just gives you a little bit more confidence. So it's definitely not going to hurt anything to wear it. Um, It's just not going to make that big of a difference um, overall, other than it's going to maybe make you feel better and more confident, which is hugely important. So if you like it, it feels good, keep going for it. The one little disclaimer I'll give is um, there's probably not a difference between the $10 one that you could buy at Walmart and the $250 one that you could buy from Germany online that has copper inserts and whatever else. So. Uh, now, if that one feels more comfortable to you, you like the way it looks better, it doesn't slide down your leg as much, cool, go for it. But just do know that there's a lot of marketing that's surrounding this and um, there's probably not that big a difference between between options. So just factor that into what you're going with. So, all right, the next one, let's kind of say like the structural braces. These are also often gonna be custom fit to a person's knee They're going to be designed to minimize motion in a specific direction for a specific type of injury around the knee. So some common ones might be, uh, they can be a brace for ACL deficiency. They can be brace for PCL. Um, I've seen some that really target like the uh, stability on the inside of your knee after an MCL, or there can be some that provide support surrounding your patella. If you're someone that has patellar subluxations, there can be braces that are designed to help hold your patella in place basically. So kind of these supportive braces, often custom fit, sometimes there's some off the rack options, but what's your take on using those braces? Um, So these are the ones where, controversial is not the right word, but where it gets a little bit more into it is that, you know, I think oftentimes you see these braces because, on kids because, their physician wants them on them, which I understand is very, you know, it's trying to protect the structural integrity of an injury that just occurred. And it's an external source of support and like one more barrier to that knee. And from a surgeon's perspective, I I understand and respect that. From our perspective, um, you know, a lot of the things that need to be happening during rehab while you're treating any of these injuries should be that we have ensured that you are strong enough and in control of your body enough and that you have planted and cut it and jumped and landed and all sorts of things many, many, many times over that the need for the brace isn't nearly as high that in general for us, like coming off of our rehabs, coming off of an ACL rehab, we should have you strong enough and prepared enough that you should not need to be reliant on a brace in order to participate in your sport upon clearance. Now, there are a lot of physicians that will traditionally say, hey, through X number of time, I do still want you on this. And we will respect a physician's 
request, yeah, but I mean, there's just a lot of gray area in there. Yeah, I think we see that less now. Um, yes. I recorded a podcast with Dr. Steiner from our yes, area. Yes, it is happening much less now. Yeah, so, I mean, if we just look at the research, will wearing that brace decrease your risk of a second injury? And the answer, there's no statistical evidence in the medical literature that it does. Um, if you, especially following ACLs, um, our philosophy is I want an athlete to feel confident enough in their knee, strong enough that they don't want to wear it, right? Now, maybe the doc wants them to for a little while, or maybe their yeah. parents want them to for a little while, kind of the belt and suspenders approach, like, hey, yes, you feel great, but let's just do this for the little extra support. Um, and that's totally fine. We don't yeah. prevent people from doing it. And Billy will say kids typically don't like it because they're bulky, they're awkward, yeah, they'll they scrape kinda, your other knee. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we, we're sort of, I put us in the indifferent category. Um, the one caveat that I'll give to that is uh, if you maybe are going to not, maybe you sprained your ACL or your PCL, which you didn't have surgery or you mm -hmm. sprained your MCL um, and you didn't have surgery. Now, maybe that brace and you're going to play a little earlier than typical. Um, potentially that brace then gives you a little bit of extra support surrounding that injured ligament or the ligament that you're now deficient in mm -hmm. to um, keep your knee a little bit safer and maybe just give you, you're missing some passive support from that structure. That brace might be doing a little bit more um, to, to keep you safe there. So um, that's just going to be very player dependent, but is maybe an option that we'll see or recommend potentially a little bit more commonly. Um, so the other caveat that I'm going to give is that it's really going to be dependent on how well the brace works is going to be dependent on how well it fits and that it stays in the same spot the whole time. And this is where it can be a little bit of an issue where we'll start watching with athletes and it'll slide down their knee or twist because it's not fitting perfectly when they're sweaty, whatever the case may be. Once that brace gets out of position, it's no longer really doing what it was designed to do. Yeah. So um, it definitely has to fit you well and stay in the same spot. Um, the other thing that I'd hit on is similar to those ankle braces. We'd like you to not wear it when you're doing strength training, jump training, things like that. The caveat to that is we might, the first time we're doing a cut or a run, if a player has a brace, uh, we might encourage them to wear it just to feel a little bit more confident the right. first couple of times they do something, even the first day back at practice. If they've got it, you might as well wear it. But in general, the goal is like while you're doing training stuff, don't be wearing your brace. Be really working on your muscles, dynamic control. Once you're, and then if you're going to wear it, then put it on for practices and competition. Mm -hmm. Any other thoughts on those? No, I, I agree, and I've had many players who've had to wear them who had very significant injuries, and they'll tell you how much of a pain they are in general. And honestly, it's a little bit, it can be a little bit of a distractor. Um, you know, I, but, you know, there are certain people who have needed that little ounce of confidence too. So, like, there's always a happy medium to be struck. I think the most important thing is that away from competition and practice, you're doing the work without it so that way we know your body is prepared and safe. And that that's not what we are relying on is the brace. And if and if that's the thing, and like to you, the brace mentally helps you feel more prepared and confident when you're stepping on the pitch. We can respect that because if we've seen you do so much great work in here, 
then we know you're safe and then we're just adding that last little ounce. But in general, the goal should be is that you have rebuilt the strength and dynamic abilities that you have to return to your sport safely without having to fully rely on that for the long term. Yeah. On the pitch, going back Sorry, to soccer. going back to soccer. Yeah, it's in my blood. We've transitioned. It's in my blood. All right. Um, so then, post-operative braces. So this is something that we're seeing change as well. It's going to be very surgeon dependent. So the answer to this is always going to be do what your surgeon recommends. Um, what I learned actually in talking to some physicians, and I believe it was Dr. Steiner in the podcast that I did with him, is that sometimes insurance companies will only cover one brace. So you can either do the post-op, like the big bulky hinged post-op brace, or the kind of return to sport, like structural brace that you can play in. Um, and so he's really gone away in ACL surgeries or knee surgeries from using those post-op braces, unless he wants the player on a with restricted range of motion, because then those braces can be very good to restrict your range of motion because you can lock the hinges so you can only bend or straighten your knee so far so that you're not at risk of accidentally breaking the surgeon's protocol and recommendation. So we're seeing more doctors go towards that, that if you have ACL surgery with no range of motion restrictions, we're not seeing as many of the kids just get the post-op big bulky locked hinge brace. But with some doctors or some surgeries, they really do feel much more comfortable having that brace on, especially in the winter in Wisconsin with yeah. ice and stuff. So on those very dependent on the surgeon and just take their recommendations and suggestions on what you should be doing and how long should you be wearing that brace in general after surgery. Yeah. And what I would say about post-operative braces after having worked in the college arena, so you have kids walking across a campus with a ton of people, so you think like a busy high school or things like that. A brace does sometimes serve as like a warning of saying, hey, stay away from me. Don't bump into me, please. It's a subconscious thing. But, you know, like as you see a kid with crutches and or a brace on navigating a hallway, you tend to give them a little extra room. So if you're in a really busy environment and you're coming off of something, I don't know, like as long as you're they're set accordingly, like they can actually be a little bit helpful in those early phases. But I do agree. And I'm glad that surgeons are being a little bit more forward thinking about do I really need this or not? Um, so that way it also kind of helps you move forward in that early process. Yeah, no, for sure. All right. So that kind of covers the lower body. There's just not that many great braces for hips. There's kind of some low back braces, but not that common in athletes. Um, so really the, the only other common one that we'll see and talk about a lot is the shoulder, um, particularly after a shoulder instability episode where you might have subluxed or dislocated your shoulder. Um, there are some braces out there that you can use for that. So have you used harnesses with athletes before or uh, not that? I guess you put you did soccer more than anything else. Yeah, I mean, we had a couple of like shoulder subluxations with our goalkeepers that we used some of the neoprene ones. And that was more in like the immediate face of the injury that like we got them pain free enough that they were returning to play on like a quicker timeline. And so we were doing that as in conjunction with all the rehab and strength and treatment that we were doing. We were doing that as a preventative measure while entering like a competition or things like that. Um, but it was nothing that ever stayed on for the long term. Um, yeah. Like we had a couple kids that would have like surgery at the end of the season that we were using that as a, 
temporary fix, if you will, um, but not as much like you did in the football arena. Yeah, I think in competitive or in contact sports, um, with someone that has recurrent shoulder instability and either has or maybe has not yet had surgery and is going to try to manage it conservatively, um, these these shoulder harnesses where you can actually use straps and really restrict their shoulder range of motion um, can be very effective in sports like football, lacrosse, um, hockey are ones that I've come to mind quickly that we've used them in the past that players really don't need, it would not work for somebody that's a thrower because you're basically restricting range of motion. So sports that don't need full shoulder motion, kind of overhead out to the side, that you're able, they're able to perform and you're able to restrict their motion a little bit. It can be, it can be effective for those people that have shoulder instability. So I will commonly use them in sports like that as players return back to play. Now, how long do they wear it is going to depend on the player, uh, if they had surgery or not, how old are they, um, what level are they they getting back to, and how many times have they dislocated or subluxed previously. So in terms of is this going to be a forever thing or not, and you can really do a lot of very creative things with them. They can integrate into pads and jerseys um, and can be – really helpful for some of those shoulder subluxations and dislocations um, long-term. Again, it should not substitute working on dynamic control and stability of the shoulder and strength of the shoulder. Um, It just is like the... It's that check rein. (laughs) Yeah, it's like a seatbelt. Like literally it has straps, kind of like a seatbelt that just, I don't want to say prevent because it's Velcro. So you could get into end ranges of motion if you needed to. But it, I will say, limits or slows down or gives a little extra support and at those end ranges of motion limits your ability to get there, which is then going to be a little safer for your shoulder, as long as we can set it up where the player can perform their sport at a high level and it's not restricting them. So um, definitely something that I'll use more commonly than maybe some of the other um, options just with some of the things that we see in contact athletes. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right, Are we missing any? Or we hit we hit the big ones. The only big one we didn't talk about was prophylactic knee bracing in football. Huh. <laughs> yeah, um, not. Does it happen? It still happens. I, I you know, I, at higher levels, you uh, see it in college and professionals quite a bit. I, I don't see it in professional football. Or not at all. as much, yet, yeah. But in college, you still see it a handful. I, I do think in college. Not as much as we used to, though. Yeah, in college, you will still see it. Again, the research is really mixed or not mixed. I, I'm not aware of any research that shows prophylactic bracing limits knee injuries, um, but some schools that have big budgets and the coaches kind of like it and they want to do everything they can to maybe limit a knee injury might do it. Um, but to my knowledge, there's no evidence that I've seen of it helping. Um, now, maybe for an offensive lineman or defensive lineman that's in the trenches, maybe if someone like fell on their leg, like a full-on mechanical like load um, to their knee. That's the one area for me that I could potentially see the brace being helpful. So, yeah, I'm not going to tell you to not do it. I'm also not going to tell you to spend your money on, on doing it. Um, I just don't think the research is, is there really with those. Yeah, especially like independently. Like there's no need for a high school football player to go out and get 
I need Brace to do it because he's seen it on these guys. Like, there's definitely the, – that's – the need is not there. Unless you have a previous injury and it's been prescribed to you, there's no need to go out and do it. Yeah, no, for sure. So, I think big take-homes is potentially braces after injuries, especially if you're just managing it conservatively, might be a good temporary um, – Transition. Crutch, transition, external support, whatever language you want to use there. But – the best quote-unquote brace is good dynamic control of your joints and having full strength, full rate of force development, good proprioception balance, stability, etc. without the brace, and that's the long-term goal. So use the braces in the short term to get back on the field, feel more comfortable, help manage pain, just be more confident, do the work off the field to restore everything around that joint so that long-term you can ditch that brace and just get back to moving around and playing um, like you were before any injury or pain. So exactly. I think in a nutshell, that, that should sum it up. So thank you guys for listening today, and we'll see you guys on the next episode. Hey, wait a minute. Did you enjoy this episode? You could really help us out by leaving us a rating and a review on iTunes to help spread the word about this podcast so we can help more athletes and families just like you. We really enjoy these episodes, getting to talk to other people and sharing high quality evidence-based information to help more athletes and families in their pursuits of their goals. So if you could take a second to help us spread the word, we'd really appreciate it.